Welcome back, everybody, to another, finally, episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. With me once again, this time out, is Twittering Machines' is Michael Lavonia. Hello, Michael. Hey, John. Good to be here again. Yeah, now today we're going to talk about a few things, including CDs and CD playback, and also, obviously, the, the enormous gargantuan story this week that is Apple Music and Lossless and High res but before we get to those two topics, I'd like to talk about Rune, because you wrote a piece this week about the Rune nucleus, and I'm wondering if you're aware of something called Rune Extend. I'm stumped. Yeah, because I'd never heard of it, but this this chap wrote to me a, about, I don't know, a month ago, and what he's done, he's a German guy, mm. what he's done He's, he's created a little Raspberry Pi interface. So it, it's basically an operating system that sits on a Raspberry Pi. You connect it to your network, and it just sits there. And then you also connect a USB wireless dongle receiver to it that comes with this sort of rotary control, which is called – I'm just looking at it right now because I've only just set this up. It's mm. called a Space Mouse. It's from a company called 3D Connection. So he hasn't made the mouse thing, but it's basically like a thing that sits on the arm of your couch. It's completely wireless. And therefore, it interfaces with the Raspberry Pi thing, which then in turn interfaces with Rune through their third-party extensions accessibility okay. kit, right? So I can now put this space mouse on the arm of my couch, and you can only nominate it to control one zone, but I've got it controlling my MyTech Brooklyn Bridge at the moment. And it will, if you just turn it, it's like a rocker turn. It's not like a, a rotary turn, a rocker turn. You can mm. turn the volume up and down. You can do forward track, next track, play pause. And it just sits on the arm of your couch. I think it's really cool. And how how much is that space mouse? That's a very good question. Because <laughs> they, <laughs> they sent me it and I haven't actually got as far as looking at the price. But the website is ruextend.com. So it's R-O-O, then extend. Dot com. I'm just looking at the Space Mouse now very quickly. 169 US dollars. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Part of my, you know, the reasoning why I'm asking about the price of it is because, uh, you know, my, my mind is just saying, well, I have my iPad, so I'm good to go. Yeah. I guess it's for people who like that sort of tactile volume yeah. turn feel. Old people. <laughs> well, I'm going to include myself in that. I don't know whether it is just old people. I think some people no, are just... I, I, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. And then it also interfaces with the Microsoft Surface Dial, which is a proper rotary. It's just, it's just an infinite wheel. Okay. And it has play, pause, press up and down. So this thing also interfaces with Rune as a volume wheel and a play, pause button. So for old people who like, you know, ergonomic haptic technology i think it's mm. a, it's a nice little you know it's a it's a nice little thing so i guess you can get the whole shebang for a you know a few hundred bucks and i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people out there who have uber high-end audio systems who are running rune and they have a coffee table in front of their their listening chair yeah, or their couch sure, yeah. and they want to just have that on the coffee table they can just lean forward turn the volume down lean forward turn it up play pause i think it's fantastic yeah so, yeah not a ton of money yeah yeah, so I just thought I'd throw that your way, but also listeners' way. Um, the website, again, is ruextend.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll be experimenting more with it. I might put it in a video at some point, but I just thought I'd share that with you because I know 
you're a massive fan of Rune, as am I, as are many other people. And I don't know, like, I, I don't like volume sliders on apps. It just feels a bit crap compared to actually turning a volume wheel. Yeah, and I find them much less precise. I mean, most of the time I actually use the uh, the plus minus volume controls on Rune, not the slider, because mm. I, you know, you could uh, you could slide your way to uh, blowing a tweeter, <laughs> unless you could do the volume limiting thing in Rune, which I actually have done, mm. because uh, yeah, the sl- like I've accidentally you know uh, slid the volume to near a hundred percent one time. Right. Yeah. I guess actually I did notice with the space mouse just now that you can, it's very easy to turn like a rocket too far. So you have to be pretty careful. I guess it, it takes a little bit of training, but, mm. but I just, yeah, volume sliders on apps. And also the fact you have to pick up your, I know this is like first world problems, right? Like pick up, <laughs> your, pick up your phone like an animal and then, you know, just wait for the rune app to load. And then you select the little sort of speaker icon on the bottom, right. And then tap and turn. Whereas it's much. I think it's much more elegant to just lean forward and just hit a button, turn a wheel. A bit like you know, like the Diviolet remote control. Have you ever played with one of those? Gosh, it's been so long. I, I reviewed one of the, the you know, one of the Diviolet amps uh, many years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it's been it's been a long time. But now you know, I'm thinking. I mean, for example, it just so happens that today and for the past few days, I've been using the. Uh, Air EX8 integrated hub, which is an integrated amp slash mm-hmm. network player, essentially. So it's got Ethernet in, it's Rune ready. It also comes with a remote, but you know, just so. More so. I mean, mm-hmm. if I just want to do volume, I could just use its yeah. remote. Do you, are you a fan of the sort of the big chunky remote or the sort of small, seemingly credit card disposable type remote? Because people tend to fall into one camp or the other, in my experience. Yeah, I, I, te- I, what I definitely prefer um, to start on the remote thing is a remote that only includes the functions that will work with the device it comes with. <laughs> because oh, okay. I've, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I've with a company like Cambridge Audio, for example, I've just reviewed a number of their products, mm. and uh, so. You know, they they design in series. So when you get a product in that series, the remote comes and it can operate every device in the series from the DAC mm. to the preamp to blah, blah. But if you just get the DAC, you end up with a remote that 90% of the controls on it are absolutely useless. And that yeah. is not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand why. But if you but then again, if you do buy, end up buying two or three pieces in that range, but I guess most people don't, do they? Most people just buy one piece in that. Well, do they? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, my 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 assumption is most people like to shop around, and mix and match. Mm. But you know, I'm not. I don't have any real data to back that up. So, see, I've got a PS Audio remote, which is about three feet long. It's like a, <laughs> it, it's like a subway sandwich, right? So I think it deals with the, the transport, the DAC. And the preamplifier, I think that's right. I mean, it's enormous, but yeah, I kind of, a- yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of big remotes. I like the little kind of weenie, um, small ones that look come on credit card sized plastic things, the things that you can sit on. And if they break, you go, oh, well, I'll just buy a new one. It's not going to cost me 4,000 euros to buy a new remote. Yeah. I, lo- 
I like this small little. This one, sorry, there's one with that comes with my NAD. Was it C three one six B E V two? I think it's called. Hmm. And it it looks terrible. A lot of people would hate it because it's it looks cheap. It's plasticky, <laughs> but I love it because I can just chuck it around. And it, you know, if I drop it on my foot, I'm not going to need to go to the emergency room. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I know. I've I've. Um, <laughs> Well, I, well, actually, once we get into the CD thing, yeah, I had the PS Audio uh, uh, Perfect Wave uh, <laughs> transport, and that had that tactical uh, remote. It could be used as a weapon, like right. Sure. So you've got you've got a three foot long remote control from PS Audio as well, right? Well, I've since returned it. Uh, you know, right? But yes, I had it. Yeah. Yeah, I had it here. I, yeah, I'm not a fan <laughs> of that huge remote. I also I have the shit uh gosh i don't know if i've ever heard it pronounced ragnarok it, that's yeah. not ragnarok, yeah. yeah yeah uh and that comes with an, a very small almost like an apple remote size aluminum remote mm. uh very simple basic and that that is uh that's my sweet spot for a remote really uh, yeah i tend to prefer remotes like that that are made out of aluminium rather than aluminum because i just think they, they yeah. feel a bit better <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, know, we don't I mean. have the we don't have the luxury of time to pronounce all those syllables here in the US. Let's talk about CDs. CD, CDs, yeah. CD playback cuz you've been investigating CD playback as a digital transport, right? Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, I I reviewed two transports and it's really all your fault. As Why is I it pointed my fault? Out in the because, reviews. because you just kept talking about CDs, <laughs> CDs, CDs. <laughs> so I really did these reviews just so you would stop talking about CDs, but I see uh, it didn't work. It's not going to stop me. But what? So tell us, tell us what you found out because the, the, you've reviewed two products at very different price points, right? Tell us about the cheap one. Yeah. So the so the the cheap one was the Cambridge CXC transport, which comes in. I shouldn't. I should not refer to price off the top of my head because it's always wrong. Five ninety nine. Okay, right. Current retail price five ninety nine, and then mm. yeah. So uh, the other was the PS Audio uh, Perfect Wave. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's the new version, isn't it? The latest version. It is, yeah. And that, let me do the price first. So that's sixty five hundred. Yeah, so right. dramatically so- different prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, same. Uh, essentially the same functionality, although the Perfect Wave is also an SACD, well, playback SACDs if you made it with the PS Audio DAC. So, mm. um, you know, there is that additional functionality, but you do need the PS Audio DAC. But, you know, so from a basic CD transport perspective, they're the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, you know, one costs 10 times the price of the other. Right. And then, so did you, I mean, because... I've been saying for the longest time that CD transports in the main sound better than streaming transports, network streaming transports. How did you fare with my kind of very bold conclusion? (laughs) Yeah, well, there was, well, let me, I guess let me start here. I mean, those, the two transports that I reviewed uh, did not sound the same. Right, uh, as as one would hope, I guess is the better mm. word. Hope. 
uh, based on that price differential. But um, so with this, with the Cambridge uh, CXC, you know, I had to really listen in, pay very close attention, AB, which I don't like to do with this kind of rapid AB, mm-hmm. in order to to try to discern a real uh, difference between playing a CD, playing a, a locally stored file, and streaming from Tidal or Kobuz. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it, in the end, uh, with the Cambridge, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say that if someone out there has already got a good streaming setup, uh, you know, um, I would not recommend going that route in order to get better sound quality because it's just, it's just too close. How, you know, that being said, the uh, PS audio was a leap and a jump better. I mean, mm. shocking, you right. know, that kind of difference that you hear pretty much immediately and it just gets better the more time you spend with it. Mm. So, um, it gave, you know, the, be- well, I'll finish that sentence. It gave the, you know, kind of the best uh, streaming setup I have available uh, more than a run for its money. But see, that is the other side of the story here. It depends on what your the specifics of each mm. scenario. So you know, yes, you, yeah. So I would have to assume. While I don't have one on hand, I would have to assume, uh, based on experience, that uh, if I had a DCS network bridge in my system, it would it would better the Cambridge by a wide margin. I own that, uh, that, uh, network player, the DCS network bridge for a number of years. So, I, mm. and I, you know, I used it to review and compare for years. So, uh, yeah, I, and it's, got, it's your fault that I've just bought one. <laughs> it's, it's sat literally in, in its box still behind my couch. Oh, you um, have it. Yeah. I bought it last week because oh, you know, as, as we know that they are, um, DCS are quietly discontinuing, the network bridge from their range. And yeah. because you've raved about it so much, <laughs> I thought I cannot miss out on this because, you know, what if it becomes one of these sort of, I don't know, ones that got away and then I had, you know, maybe use prices go through the roof. I don't know, but you've yeah. raved about it. Other, I think Phil in the UK who writes, hmm. you know, occasionally for me, he, 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 did, he loved it as well. He thought it was fantastic. As just as a network, like a network streamer, network bridge, it's the same thing, really. Ethernet yes. or in, and then it's not USB out, though, is it? It's spit effect. It's isn't not. It? Yeah, that's correct. Or a- AES. Yeah, I'm going to use the AES. I think eventually, but it's. I mean, it's really for super. I mean, from my point of view, for high end DACs, it's not for you know whacking on a, I don't know, Cambridge Audio DAC Magic or anything like that. Even though, no, no, you know. You know, I was thinking about this this morning, right? Is that as an enthusiast of, I don't know, hi-fi gear, audio gear, you can, well, I can, I guess, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, maybe tell me if you disagree with this. As as a hi-fi enthusiast, you can find joy in pretty much anything you, you know, plug in and play music through. Within limits, obviously, but, you know, even with, I don't know, a $300 pair of speakers and an integrated amp and a, and a yeah, CD player, for example, right? Yeah, for yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I said, you, yeah. Hmm. 
I was just going to say, I, I said as much. I recently did an interview with uh, with uh, High Fidelity uh, in uh, Poland, mm-hmm. the online magazine. Uh, and we, we got into this exact subject. Essentially, the question was, you know, what gets you excited in terms mm. of uh, reviewing gear? I said, well, I know this sounds a bit corny, but everything does. Because everything is new and everything has its own distinct voice, especially mm. if we're talking about components, you know, so DAX, amplifiers, integrated amps, speakers and things, you know, it's like this getting to know you period and how that affects the listening experience. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that kind of always, I find that endlessly fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to say what it is because I'm going to make a video about it and the, there's an element of surprise in the video. So, but I've just set up a very, very ah. affordable hi-fi system, you know, maximum cost. I think you altogether all three pieces, maybe 700 euros. Oh, wow. And yeah. it's just, <laughs> I love it. It sounds great. And I guess here's the other thing is that, you know, when I, I've got another pair of, I, I can tell you what these are. These are head audio type seven Mark two. So the head audio, I've got this new range of active loudspeakers. They've just hmm. embraced DSP hmm. and this, you know, new range and this new models to me sounds really, yeah, really good. The detail retrieval up, you know, from them is amazing. Dynamics are fantastic. And I think as a pair, they're like 1500 euros roughly, mm-hmm. which you know, as you, you, I mean, I know you do this series on hi-fi bargains. I mean, I would, you know, if I ran that series, I would consider them a hi-fi bargain. And, but the thing is, is that if I cut between this super affordable hi-fi system and then cut over to the heads, do I enjoy music more? Mm, That's a very, Mm. I don't know. I don't know whether I necessarily do because, (laughs) you know, even though the heads are better, does that make music necessarily more enjoyable? Sometimes I question this. You yeah, know, does, I get, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think what I would say on that specific point for me is when I'm not working, uh, and so this, I'm typically after hours, it's dark here in the barn, and I'm just relaxing and listening to music. And the longer I listen on into the night, the more important sound quality becomes right right so yeah i you know i i've absolutely experienced having gear here uh in you know amplifiers decks speakers uh that uh were very hard to let go mm. very hard to send back <laughs> because they were ju- you know they just make that you know, when, when it's time to just focus and just listen to music, they they just make that experience more meaningful, more engaging for me. Mm. You know, it's uh, – I mean, that's, that's essentially that. But, you know, on the other hand, taking a few steps back in the conversation, you know, so in terms of excitement when I'm working and reviewing things – I get much more excited about something that's relatively or, or very affordable mm-hmm. that sounds really good than I do about something that's very expensive that sounds good. Because frankly, if something costs more than a thousand dollars, 
you expect it to sound good. If it costs yes. ten thousand dollars, you expect <laughs> it to sound really good, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so on. You know, yeah. so you know. But when I come across something like a, you know, and I'll give it away in the price, a a, a DAC that comes in at under eight hundred dollars, that really just hits all my buttons. I'm I'm essentially jumping up and down, you know, with excitement because. You know that is uh, it's rare, right? Yeah, I guess yeah, because you and I are on the same page when it comes to the Denifrips Aries Two, <laughs> yes, right. I mean, it really is a, a very special deck for the money. I mean, this, yeah, it's one of the best. Yeah. One. Actually, probably the I don't want to say the best I've heard below a grand, but I would certainly put it next to the Cord Mojo, although it has very very different qualities, yeah, to the Cord Mojo. But it's it's just amazing in a different way. Um. Mm-hmm. It's like when you think of like classic footballers, and I mean soccer players, not the American football. Um, I mean, you can think of like many different. I mean, like, I think about George Best. I only think about George Best because I was playing the wedding present the other day. But anyway, George Best might be like one of the greatest footballers of all time. But he, you know, he he plays in a very different way to say another greatest footballer of all time, and they don't all oh, play I, the same way, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, my wife and I. Uh, are both big tennis fans, and so uh, right. Roland Garros is uh, now mm. happening now. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. You could go on and on. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're they couldn't be more different. Nadal and Federer could not be more different players. You know, one is all everything looks like uh, there's an extreme amount of effort and will and muscle and and exertion and power, which is mm. Nadal. And then the others, like a, a graceful ballet dancer, you know, right. But they're both great players. And I don't, I I absolutely appreciate and enjoy both styles. But uh, so for me, I wouldn't say, Oh, you know, this one's the best and blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can have there's many different kinds of best, I guess is what we're saying here. Yeah. I mean, I guess well, I guess we both feel like broken records because we keep saying this, and then I keep seeing people writing the best. I wrote the best this morning, actually, um, <laughs> on my website. But the only reason I wrote it was because it's the only way of doing this certain thing. So I wrote the best way to um, get high res out of Apple Music, and the subtitle was because hmm. it's the only way to do it, which I guess is my very clunky segue <laughs> into Apple Music. <laughs> <laughs> So this week, Apple turned on, well, the, the, the beginnings of lossless streaming for their Apple Music streaming service. Hmm. And I guess we need to kind of go through some definitions here because Apple's definitions vary slightly from the sort of audiophile definitions. So I guess the first thing we should be very clear about is how incredible it is that Apple is now joining the lossless supply party in that by the end of this year, their entire library will be available in CD quality. And that's what you and I, you know, until this Apple announcement would have called lossless, right? Because it's not being lossy compressed. Mm -hmm. Because prior to this, Apple Music streamed in 256 AAC, which is lossy. So when we cut to CD quality, it's lossless. Nothing is thrown away. It's like 
as as it says on the tin, CD quality, which is also 16 bits, 44.1 kilohertz, if we're going to put numbers on it, because audiophiles mm. love numbers. I want to talk about that later if we remember, actually. Come back. Remind mm. me to talk about audiophiles and numbers. But if you go to Apple Music's settings and you go into mm. sort of the audio quality um, settings, so you have to be on the, the latest version of Mac OS or the latest version of iOS or iPadOS, you get in the drop down for audio quality, you can choose AAC 256, which, which was the default before. But now you can choose what they, they call lossless up to 2448. Mm-hmm. Now, most audio files would probably tell you, well, actually, no, 2448 is high res audio. So it is lossless, but it's a, it's a higher level of lossless, right? It's high res. So I guess if you ask the typical, you know, the average audio file, mm. what, what's the definition of high res audio? They would say 24 bits and then yes. 48 kilohertz or above, right? Yeah, I even think there might be some wiggle room in there. Some might just say 24-bit right, and leave it at that. But, yeah, some might add, you know, the sample rate of 48 kilohertz as well. Right. But yeah. what's weird is what Apple have done is they've kind of – see, normally I would say, okay, CD quality is 16441 and then 24-bit and everything else yes. is high res. But Apple have folded 2448 into their lossless level, if you like. Yes, and then there's another level, right? The, the level above that you can select is what they call high-res lossless, yeah. which is essentially, <laughs> essentially is everything above 2448, which makes it really confusing because that's not how audio files up until this point have thought about the distinction between lossless CD quality and high-res, you know, 24-bit yeah. and everything else, right? So yeah. out of the gate, that's a bit confusing. But again, I mean, I guess we should take some time to kind of I mean, when, I, when I've been writing about this this, this week, I've wanted to enthuse about just having CD quality streaming across the board from a major, major, major streaming service. Not some niche streaming service, but like a major yeah. player. And I don't know about you, but I think, I think that on one level is amazing, mm-hmm. but on another level, well, Apple were the company that took away CD quality streaming and went, hmm, now you can buy songs for 99 cents each Mm-hmm. But not in CD quality, but in AAC two fifty six. That was two thousand three yes. when they launched the iTunes Store, mm-hmm. which was essentially the end of the CD quality era, the way I see it. But I don't know whether you see it the same way. I'd go along with that. Yeah. Right, and as we know, that iTunes Store came about because all the major labels were panicking about Napster and file mm-hmm. sharing in general because it started four years earlier. Yeah. So they kind of cut this deal with Steve Jobs back then. And then really the mainstream have had to live with lossy audio for the last 20 years. And still can if they want to, right? Sure. But but also confusing this week, you know, and, and I know you've written about this, is that Apple, and even though they've launched this sort of lossless and then, you know, high-res streaming tier, mm. they've... They have said on their website, well, actually, very few people can hear the difference between AAC 256 and then lossless and high res. Yeah, they've yeah, and they've they've doubled down uh, <clears throat> just the other day. Uh, so this the guy's name is Eddie Q, mm-hmm. C U E, uh, Apple mm-hmm. senior VP of 
what internet software and services that includes Apple Music. He's come right out and said the future of music isn't lossless because nobody can hear a difference really. You get a hundred people in a room, play them lossy and lossless, and according to him, maybe one or two people may might might hear a slight difference. So it's a it's a snoozer for him, lossless. See, uh, I, I don't know because yeah. I I quite I do agree with him, but. I see this kind of reintroduction of lossless audio as as sort of reparation for twenty years without. It's not. It's not. I don't. I agree. I don't think it is the future of audio at all. I think it's actually what we always had. It's making good on taking it away. It's in two thousand and three. So it's just. I guess it's like filling a hole rather than building a new building. If yeah, that makes sense. I, I su- yeah. I right. I mean, cer- certainly <clears throat> there were technical reasons why why companies like Apple would, would, you know, would want to offer lossy uh, and why yes. lossy was so prevalent early on bandwidth restrictions and yeah. uh, so on and so forth. But those uh, by and large uh, don't apply if we're talking about uh, being off of a data clock, <laughs> right? So if we're connected mm. to the internet hardwired or wirelessly, uh, we don't have to worry about, the amount of data we're downloading, um, mm. you know, then then that that reason is off the table. Mm. Uh, also, for purchasing downloads, that reason has been off the table for a very long time. Mm. You know, there's but uh, even I, I mean, just while we're on that, uh, e- even Bandcamp. You know, when you purchase a anything from Bandcamp, it, whether it's physical media or just the download, you have the option. F- uh, to download MP3 or lossless, and it's still the option. Yes, and, and so you know, some people. Uh, I think it's really like the old Kleenex thing. Uh, it's just MP3 for a lot of people still means digital music, mm. and that's the end of the story. And everything else is just like who cares, really. Um, so. You know, I would argue about the. Uh, <laughs> I would argue about hearing a difference uh, between lossy and lossless. But again, it's the same thing with what we were just talking about earlier with uh, comparing CD transports to streaming. It depends on what you're listening to, what you're listening through, and what you're doing while you're listening. So yeah, if I'm doing the dishes, you know, mm. uh, and my wife's vacuuming, uh, you know. Yeah, lossy losses. Who cares, right? But if I'm sitting alone in a quiet room just listening to music, yeah, uh, it matters. But perhaps you know, perhaps th- those uh, moments, uh, perhaps there aren't a lot of people looking for that kind of experience these days. Because this Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, I'll just call him Eddie. Eddie from mm. Apple goes on to say, yeah, no, lossless is is kind of boring. It's old. Uh, Dolby Atmos uh, spatial audio is where it's at. Man, this is where mu- this is the future of music. It's oh. not the future of Apple Music. He's saying it's the future of music because if you get a hundred people in a room, a hundred people are going to hear that difference between a regular stereo recording and an artificially and created fake three D nonsensical i'm on the stage next to the guitar player presentation (laughs) 
And there's no bias in that statement whatsoever. No, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, again, I agree with him. I think spatial audio is is far more arresting than the jump from lossy to lossless, like immediately arresting. Um, mm. And, But the problem with spatial audio is this, is that the content isn't there. And to create the content, and Eddie, your mate Eddie, actually said this, is that it, take, <laughs> it takes a studio engineer to create that spatial audio mix. Yes. So now there are like literally only thousands of titles. I say thousands because next to 75 million songs, you know, it's, 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 it's the smallest, tiniest child's piss in the ocean of, of content, which is just... People have been writing to me. What do I think about it? I, I have no opinion because there isn't enough music for me to really, really care. Yeah, and all. Yeah, and further <laughs> to get really to get the full effect, mm. you have to record in Dolby Atmos. I mean, it's being applied to existing recordings, mm. which has to be done in the studio with an engineer. However, uh, you know that spatial effect won't be as great as if you start from scratch and create a recording with this goal in mind using this technology. So, yeah, you know, um, I just think it has nothing whatsoever to do with music. Nothing. It's like, uh, you know, you could tell me that, you know, uh, you know, 3d, 3d movies are where it's at. There's so much more enveloping, you know, wow, it's like stuff jumps out of the screen. And I say, I don't really give a shit about 3D audio, uh, audio or video. Like yeah, you tell, like I'm yeah. going to watch Tarkovsky and all of a sudden, you know, Stalker's going to be so much better because it looks like the dog is coming out of my TV screen. You know, I, I'm sorry. I do have an attention span still. And I can, I can focus my attention on things like movies and appreciate them for what they are. And I can do the same with music and appreciate a piece of music for what it is. I don't need a hologram to, to, to capture my attention. But again, you know, I might be old. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, I think that is, that is very much the, uh, the Statler and Waldorf opinion. And I do, I can relate to it completely because when you get to a certain age, you've lived with, I don't know, vinyl, CD, streaming, you're kind of used to just stereo, right? But one thing I think is very cool with this spatial audio tech is that it addresses the the limitation um, of two speakers because I think it will work with headphones and it will mm -hmm. work with stereo speakers, right? You, I yeah. mean, not always, but I think it will mainly work with because I, it just this reminds me. This whole week has just reminded me of so about 15 years ago there was a whole spell where a lot of record companies were issuing surround sound versions yes. of, of albums. So like Talking Heads did this box set and Jerry Harrison, the keyboard and guitar player, went into the studio and redid all the albums, remixed them all in 5.1. Well, not remixed them, actually rebuilt them in 5.1. And it mm -hmm. sounded amazing, but I had to, I literally went and bought a brand new surround <laughs> sound system to, to just to listen to this one box yeah. and actually used a Cambridge Audio um, surround sound amplifier for it. But at the time, I'm thinking this is madness because people are not going to embrace this, you know, in, in large numbers because you need to have a 5.1 system in your house. I just don't see people wanting to run all these wires to wire in five different, six, six different speakers. 
into their into their into their lives. It just won't happen. Even though well, I had a quadraphonic yeah. system in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you did. Yeah, that that's flopped, didn't it? But so, but, but yeah, <laughs> but so I remember thinking at the time, this is only going to take off if they can somehow make it work with two speakers, or main, or even more importantly, with headphones, because headphones yeah. are now probably the the dominant force in in music playback i mean i would say most people get their music fixed through headphones yeah well, nowadays I would, I would agree yeah right so they've they've, they've sort of addressed that issue but if well, you need if you need if you need to get a studio engineer to create every mix what are you going to do about the the enormous archive of music that's been generated in the last hundred years yeah well here's yeah i I do have to interject on this, right, with 3D audio. Right. I mean, yes, I do. There's a there's a company and a product. It's the same name. It's well, it's Bach Labs, B A A C H, and it's, and they've developed both a hardware and software solution to uh, present any recording uh, and pull from that recording a three dimensional sound image either huh. in headphones or through speakers from any existing recording. So the record, nobody has to go back into the studio. Nobody has to remaster anything. Um, it applies this technology to mm. existing recordings. And I reviewed, I reviewed it. I've, I spent a lot of time with their products. I went down to Princeton university where the person who developed it, professor, uh, Shwari, Edgar Shwari, uh, He's the he's the person behind uh, the product. Mm. Uh, he he teaches uh, plasma physics. <laughs> plasma propulsion is his specialty at uh, Princeton. Um, so this is like a side hobby. Uh, mm. This whole three D audio. He's an audiophile. Um, but in any event, back in the day when I was first when I first heard this, which is at a CES, I, it, I basically was speaking Eddie's language because mm. I walked out of that room saying. Anybody who hears this, it doesn't matter who they are, their level of interest is going to be blown away. Right. You know, he, he played like a, some Deep Purple Live uh, track from some old recording, and it was stunning, you know, shocking, really, uh, how mm. it presented the sound. And also, if you record binaurally, which David Chesky does, mm. um, those effects are even more enhanced through this software. So... You know, I understand the appeal. I've experienced the appeal. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, this box technology is so, so makes so much more sense because we don't have to go back to the studio. Mm. You know, however, you know, it perhaps I haven't, I haven't listened to any spatial audio. Uh, I'm sure I will if somebody holds my hand to the fire. <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, I, I would imagine it's not the same type of experience because uh, it's from what they're talking about, they seem to have two different goals in mind. Uh, perhaps a subtle distinction, but a distinction nonetheless. With uh, spatial audio, Dolby Atmos, they're talking about making it sound as if you are on stage amongst the musicians, you know, like next to the guitar player, where it's Bach 3D is presenting the recording in a uh re, re, representing the recording in a dimensional space so it's different mm. yeah it's, it's slightly different but 
But I think that whole idea of like putting you on stage is just marketing speak from Apple, from Eddie Q. And, mm. and I think mm. I, I can, like I say, I can understand why he's excited by it and what it might do. And I was thinking about this this morning. Maybe all Apple need to do is get, I don't know, maybe 1% of the most popular releases moving forward into spatial audio, and it will it will effectively pay for itself. Yeah, that's the approach you're taking. I mean, it's Taylor Swift. It's, you know, which, yeah. ooh, she may be able to launch spatial audio on her own. <laughs> right, yeah, so you get enough big artists behind it, and they go into the studio and they do a Dolby Atmos mix. And that kind of pushes it forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they've, yeah, yeah, they haven't done, uh, right, right. They've taken existing recordings of her albums um, mm. and applied the technology to them. But I do, it's just kind of ironic, if that's even the right word, but, you know, Spotify's campaign for their new lossless uh, streaming service, uh, which is yet to come. Yeah. Uh, which will be just CD quality, not high res. But in any event, Billie Eilish uh, is is the celebrity they're using to promote lossless audio. And there's a video, YouTube video, of Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas uh, just talking about how important sound quality is mm. and what what it gets you and why you need a, a better system to listen through to hear the music they've made to hear mm. all, everything they've put into the recordings they've made. So it's, it's, it's an uh, interesting contrast. Spotify's marketing for their streaming and Apple's, it's, they couldn't be more different. Well, yeah, and actually this brings me back to numbers. This is a good way to talk about numbers. So I think Spotify for me, just going with CD quality, so 16-bit, 44, 1 kilohertz, mm. is probably the better approach for the mainstream. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go off on a bit of a ramble now because Apple Music introducing not just CD quality but also high res has audiophiles or anybody that cares chasing their tail with numbers. Mm -hmm. So because then you have to you know have to know about 2448, 2496, 24192. Some stuff is in 24176.4, Four. Yeah. right? And then some is in 2488.2, but like very rarely. <laughs> But so that, that you have to know what those things mean, first of all. And then here's the thing. You want to play it back in a hi-fi system. So if we talk about Mac OS, just the desktop right now, so just uh, MacBooks and iMacs, mm. if you have the, let's say, the high-res lossless enabled, on, an, on a Mac OS, there is no what's called automatic sample rate switching. And it, you set this in an app called Audio MIDI Setup. It's buried. You have to find this app, right? And then you have to set the output rate, the sample rate output that you want to send to your DAC. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're streaming Spotify and it's just CD quality, you set that to 44.1 and you forget about it. Mm -hmm. Just one time you got to do it, right? But with Apple yeah. Music, if you really want to, you know, make, I guess, hear the hear the benefit or make the most of high res, you're going to have to change that manually every time the sample rate of the stream changes coming from Apple Music. So if you're the, yeah. if you go, if you're at CD quality forty four point one and you've got your audio MIDI set up to forty four point one, right? If that's fine, uh -huh. but as soon as you change to forty eight twenty four forty eight, you're going to go and change that thing. Otherwise, mm. you'll be downsampling 
or if you're playing 24192, you're downsampling, which renders the benefits of high-res audio null. Like, why would you yes. bother with doing that? It's just, it's madness. But it it has audio files chasing this, and this is just on Mac OS, right? But then, because yes. I made a video about a little bit about this, but people go, well, what about Apple TV? Oh, well, here's the right. bad news is Apple TV OS, as to the best of my knowledge, Apple are very vague about this, but there are support articles on the net saying this, that Apple TV OS resamples everything to 48. So it doesn't matter what you're streaming, 44, <laughs> 1, 48, 96, 192, it all Ooh. comes out of your of the HDMI socket on that Apple TV of 48 kilohertz into your DAC. So really, it's only good for 2448 and 1644.1, which may be why Apple put 2448 mm. next to 1644.1. Also, because Apple AirPlay runs the same way. Mm. It, it only does 2448 and 1644.1. And we don't really know whether there's some resampling going on there. No yeah. idea. Yeah. Like, but, do you know what I mean? So that it just yes. seems that Apple are like concerned with 2448 and 1644 and anything above, you're on your own. Right. And yes. And I can I can sort of understand why they would say that because there is so little music out there in 2496 and 24192. It's just not worth chasing it from my perspective and clearly from Apple's, because if they were really concerned about it, they would put in the automatic sample rate switching into Mac OS yesterday. Yes. But they don't care. So they clearly don't care. Yeah. Right? Yes. And I can empathize with that position. As an audiophile, as somebody who has, you know, is surrounded by people who are into high res, I'm not so much as I've said many times before, because there's the, it's like, I guess it's a bit like the spatial audio argument. There just isn't enough music available. Yes, there's more in high res. There's a, quite a lot more in high res, but it's still less than 10% of most streaming service libraries. So like, it's still not worth getting excited about yet. And I say yet because we have to kind of deal with what we've got now, not hmm. what we might be promised three years down the line. Yeah, if that, if three years, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of imagining, you know, a meeting with Eddie and his underlings at Apple, and that so one of them, who happens to be an audiophile, brings up this point in the meeting hmm. prior to Apple Music launch. Hey, you know, OS X, we got to deal with this automatic sample rate switching mm. and everybody else the other 20 people in the meeting laugh hysterically some spit out their coffee some fall off their chairs and say why because it's going to piss off 20 audiophiles well, <laughs> you know that's the thing isn't it because like apple's this enormous company with effectively unlimited resources to do anything they want like literally mm -hmm. anything they want and they just shrug their shoulders at this i mean it's not like they to think that they don't know about it is is fanciful of course they know about it because yeah, they but sure right? and to, <laughs> yeah and there, there are third-party companies out there that are uh that have that are a one-person shop mm. uh, who offer workarounds to this exact problem little apps you can buy that mm. will you know one was called bit perfect Yes, uh, I have not been keeping up to. At last, I checked, which was fairly recently. Uh, you know, their site was last updated in 2016, I think it was. So I'm not so sure what's happening there. But in any event, it's it was it's a ten dollar app, and 
you know, one of its main purposes, it, it takes care of automatic sample rate switching if, and it rides piggyback on what used to be iTunes and now Apple mm. Music. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's easy to do. It's not like rocket science. Clearly, Apple has the resources and the knowledge uh, to do it. But I, I'm serious. They just, even if it was, if it was even brought up, it, it's just like, why would we care about this? The only people who care about this is a small slice of the small mm. slice of audiophiles. Yes. We can't even assume that because I've already had people comment on Facebook. Why do I care about Apple Music? Right? Why should I care about Apple Music? I've got Cobuzz, I've got Tidal. I don't care about Apple Music. So even it's not even all audiophiles. Mm. So yeah, it's like it, I could actually. S- there is a good response to that in the, the Apple's library, CD quality library, will be better than Cobuzz's and titles for for people who have more mainstream tastes you know, yeah. pop rock indie rock hip-hop that kind of thing they'll be better served by apple music and spotify than title or cobras just from a, an availability because i was looking up um plaid's catalog on title mm. yesterday and half of it's missing i'm mm. like what the hell why is this missing and i know why lawyers and territorial mm. restrictions and legal blah 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 but Again, like I don't have that problem with Apple Music or Spotify. It's always, always there. Always. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I I, I do have to say, from a very, very personal perspective, uh, you mm. know, not making a statement of, about anything other than my particular point of view on this. Uh, I, I just don't, first off, I don't understand why Apple is offering high res because they clearly don't give a shit about it. Mm. And their audience, by and large, I would have to think, also doesn't really care about it. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with you in that. I think Spotify, you know, that's that's a great approach. Um, because, because, you know, I could see myself, especially with Spotify uh, Connect, um, you know, I could see myself eventually landing on something like Spotify Connect and Cobus as mm. my, you know, you know, that being said, uh, I'm so wedded to Rune, uh, you know, I'd be hard. I, I wouldn't want to really have to step out of that interface. But, sure. but, you know, for the breadth of catalog, yeah, you know, Spotify certainly has has the bill of goods there. And uh, on another, on a personal note, again, the fact that it's not, that they don't offer high res doesn't affect me so much because the majority of music I listen to is not offered in high res. So, right. Yes. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I worry about the people, not worry, this is the wrong, right, the wrong right word. Well, maybe it is. Like the people that, you know, get excited by high res and, you know, sign up for Apple Music. And then think they're streaming high res. Like the number of comments I've gotten on YouTube, people who swear they're getting high res through Apple TV and AirPlay when mm-hmm. it's they're not. And I have to keep going into the comments going, I'm sorry, you can't do that with with the AirPlay. It's 2448 and that's it. That's yeah. the maximum you can get. You're not getting high res from it. Not mm-hmm. Apple's definition of high res, which is 2496 and 24192, really. High so, res lossless, yeah. <laughs> yeah, high res lossless. So, you know, like, and it's even, like, uh, so on an Android phone, Right, if you run Apple Music on an Android phone, you might think, well, it's actually the thing is the 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 lossless options haven't rolled out to Android yet. But when they do, and you activate them in the settings, you might think you're getting 
2496 coming through your phone, but you're not because the Android operating system resamples everything to 48 before it spits it out. Mm. In most cases, mm -hmm. there are a few outliers. No, you can't use USB Audio Player Pro because it doesn't wrap Apple Music and probably never will because it's small and Apple's like this behemoth, and which is probably why we'll never see um, Apple Music inside Rune, not even with Music Kit. Because yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, I just I just don't see it's going to happen. What from what I understand, so just to, to wait for that. But one thing I love about Spotify and its Connect service is it makes it easy to stream, you know, your music into your Hi-Fi system, mm -hmm. hand off the stream right to to the streamer in your in your rack, if you like. I've used the word rack nebulously because it might just mm -hmm. be on the sideboard, but it's the same app that you take out of the house. So I could be listening to music out of the house and then come home and then, you know, hand it off yes. to my hi-fi system with one click of one button right, you know, right where I am in that song. And I think that's fantastic. Now, Apple Music kind of has that with AirPlay, but the thing is it doesn't hand off the stream. The stream travels through the phone. And a lot of people right. say, well, I don't, I don't care about that. Mm. But I care about that because I don't – basically, App, AirPlay, sorry, AirPlay, drains the battery on an iPhone faster than I would like. Yeah. So – and again, for some people, it's a non-issue, but you know we're different, so it, it's not a non-issue for me. And it it becomes even more of an issue when I know that it can be done a different way because Spotify and Tidal as well show us how it can be done with their Connect services. Mm -hmm. So if you can show us a better way, why haven't you done it anyway? Again, probably because Apple. I don't know whether they don't care about AirPlay being limited to twenty four forty eight or the stream travels through the phone. Maybe yeah. they do care about the second part. Don't know. AirPlay three. We'll see what happens with that. But mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think they seem, based on the recent press event, this week's press event mm. uh, from Apple. Uh, you know, clearly their focus is is on uh, enveloping all of us in the world of Apple, from the, our health to our. Yes. Diet, to our yeah. music, to our TV, to our exercise, <laughs> a watch, to our ears, our eyes, mm. our nose. Well, nose hasn't hit yet, but I'm waiting for smell of vision <laughs> from that. On a phone. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, yeah. Um, you know what I do want to say, um, or just just side note, mm. we've you've certainly spoken about this in the past. We've spoken about together and that mm. is that so much time so many words uh have been spent on high res uh, and it's one of the things i don't like about it if i can say it that way because it's it it is not it's not s such a real world uh issue now i'm not it's not I'm a big not, it's not a big deal it's not it's, a big let's deal. Let's say it. It's, it's not a big deal. It's yeah. not. Now, that's not to say, you know, I'm not saying it should all just disappear. Correct. You know, I'm a big yeah. fan of both Tidal and Cobas. Um, however, too, we've said it, you've said it, too much has been made of, of high res. Too mm. much stock has been put into the difference that, you know, starting with Neil Young, you know, people are going to get blown away and go nuts over once they hear this. And I, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, I do agree with Eddie on that note. You know, yeah, 
um, it, it's just not the case. And couple that with this paucity of music available mm. in hot, true high res. Yeah, it's it's you know it's. I just think it should all have just been called uh, lost. Listen, leave it at that. Uh, because yeah, well, otherwise, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it just gets into stupid soup. You know, well, it it does, but this is the numbers thing is because audiophiles like to be able to, I guess, prejudge things before they hear them, and numbers mm. allow them to do this. And it's the same for DAC models, right? ESS ninety thirty eight. Yeah, the chip. The yeah, the chip. chip. The chip thing, right? So and it's a because filter. They can, yeah, they yeah, apply. it's a filter. But they, they can talk about it online. <laughs> But mm. there's no filter for the, the quality of the power supply inside a DA converter or the mm. analog output stage inside a DA mm. converter, right? Oh, there's, there's no – this is a big one, actually. There's no filter for mastering and recording quality, which, mm -hmm. as we have <laughs> banged the drum for many times, matters far more to what we hear than the, the, the sample rate or the, the bit depth of the file. Yeah, yeah, and I say, yeah, absolutely. And I, I would do the order, and I think I just wrote this somewhere recently. I've been, I've just no, read, been jumping all of this apple. Read it, read it out. Oh, no, I don't, I, it's just a three-step in order of importance. First is the quality of the music. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is the quality of the recording. Then we can talk about, you know, uh, the container, if you will. In other words, I am not going to listen to some shitty music because it's twenty four ninety six and it sounds really good. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I'd like to always, always remember to put the quality of the music first. And I'm not talking about you know being well. I do sound I'm, I'm being judgmental because I did say shitty music, but, you know. But that's a very personal thing. What music we what we like. But I'm just saying. I I don't think anyone out there should be listening to music they don't really enjoy just because it's high res. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. doesn't work for me. You know, like I've never once sorted my music collection by the file resolution <laughs> mm. or, or searched for DSD or, you know, or MQA or, you know, some. <laughs> but, no. you know, I think a lot of people who do this are actually quite vocal on Facebook groups and, you know, comment sections. I think, you know, they're, they're sort of, I guess, tail wagging the dog scenario. It's fine for them, but these are often the people that are out on, yeah, on the internet talking up high res when, and I have to mm. say this, as we know, the room matters far, far more. Speakers matter far, far more. And when I mean far, far more, I mean like a hundred times more. Yeah. And then amplifier 50 times more, say, and then DAC maybe 10 times more. I mean, I'm pulling these numbers from my ass, but it's just to kind of put high res in its sonic impact corner is that it you really have to have a very, very uber high-end audio system in place first, first, yeah. before you start sweating whether you've got 2496 or 24192. And even then, it, the difference is going to be tiny. The jump is just going to be like, well, yeah, that's nice. But I mean, for me, I think my own personal audio diet starts at CD quality lossless and pretty much ends there as well. You know, yeah. like I'm very happy with that. And I don't, you know, like sometimes, sometimes lossy audio can sound a little bit, I don't know what the word is, but it can sound a bit sort of malnourished. Yeah. Thin. Uh, I'm I was going to say thin, but malnourished. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, so I know it's a kind of one of John's special analogies and people don't like that very much, but but it does. It doesn't sound quite right. But again, it's not a huge jump to CD quality, but I think it's bigger than the jump from CD quality to higher res. Oh, this is, see, this is just the... It, which you just end up tying yourself in knots just talking about this, just thinking about this, it hurts. Well, it is. It's like... <laughs> It's a, to my, right. It's like I'm. Th- I'm trying to get to an analogy, and that is like. So you go. You come. You know. You come and visit. We go to New York and go to like Le Bernardin or something like one of the best restaurants in New York. And we come back, and you you only want to talk about the silverware. Right. It's like all you want to talk about is the yeah. shape of the fork, how it wasn't. Yeah. The you know, the prines weren't quite long enough. You've had you know longer prines. It's been made for a better experience, and the the and it's like I'm sorry, we just had like one of the best meals you could have, and you're talking about the silverware. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is and like then that, it's yes. like well, you know what? I'm going to go online and go on every forum possible and on every food forum and restaurant forum and talk about my stance on silverware. <laughs> it's that that's a great analogy that's perfect yes yeah and then you have to yes i mean but apple music makes you worry about you know what kind you know what's the purity of the silver yeah absolutely right? absolutely yeah i mean in this yeah so this this review of the uh rune nucleus and i also recently reviewed a, a digital to digital converter from uh Denifrips, mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. iris uh, and what I've said in both of those is that I, I suggest we think about things like servers, streamers, digital to digital converters as part of the network as or plumbing. Yes. Uh, so that, and, and the idea there is to keep things in perspective. Um, and I, I went as far as to suggest that, you know, uh, this plumbing maybe could represent 10% of your total spend. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because you can buy a music server for twenty grand, mm-hmm. ten grand. So, uh, does it make sense to buy a fifteen thousand dollars server and put it through a DAC Magic? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've got a pair of uh, Elac debut speakers, I would say, okay, hold on a minute. Take that twenty grand, get some speakers, and then amplify. Yeah, and yep. then keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> And then yeah, get a server. Yeah, you know I, I've I have thought about this, but I I've, I think I'm going to say it. I'm going to categor- categorically say it is mm. that high res audio is actually the last thing you should ever think about. I mean it. I, like of all the things I have, I have to put together to build up a complete playback chain, high res or the quality, you know, the, the sample rate and the bit depth is the last thing that would I would. Th- factor in or I would worry about including because everything else that comes after it has more of an impact. Yeah. And getting back to dinner, it's like the crouton of of, yes. of a meal. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it could be like the seasoning. I mean, it could be sort of like salt and pepper, yeah. right? You, right? You put right. On, your, on your food. But I don't know. It's just, as you have said, there's a disproportionate, disproportionate, you didn't say disproportionate, you said disproportionate amount of time and energy spent by audiophiles online in the sort of collective conversation, raving about or or not um, hmm. high-res audio. And, you know, the, people love to talk about, oh, I've got this in 2496 and I've got that in DSD 42 billion. 
Like, <laughs> so what? It's it's uh, th- this is this is back to our podcast about ego bonerism, which I just wanted to bring that up because mm. I'll link to that down below. I don't want to go any further than that with that. Um, can I lay out the one way that you can get all high res options out of Apple Music? Because I think people yeah. might go, well, okay, you guys, you, you're rambling on and you sound really grumpy about <laughs> Apple Music, but like, you know, what should I do? And there is only there's only really one way. Mm. So. A lot of people think that the Apple's own uh, Lightning to three and a half mil adapter, DAC adapter, does high res, and it doesn't. It's capped at twenty four forty eight, and so is pretty much every other sort of Lightning connecting DAC. They all go through this thing, this program called Made for iPhone, and they're all capped at twenty four forty eight. But if you use the the Lightning to USB adapter, then you can connect your own DAC to an iPhone or an mm. iPad. So what I'm talking about here is iPhones and iPads. Like, Forget about the Mac because it doesn't do automatic sample rate switching, but the iPhone and the iPad do automatic <laughs> sample rate switching, which is, again, mind-boggling. Why, why do these devices do it and the Mac does not? <laughs> but they do it. It must be so, a mistake, yeah. <laughs> right. So you can run Apple Music on an iPad or an iPhone, use the Lightning to USB adapter to connect it to a DAC of your choice, and then punch in whatever you want and no matter what you play the DAC will respond accordingly it will show you know 2448 24192 assuming it can your DAC can do that mm-hmm. and that's how you do it so it's sometimes this adapter is called the uh, camera connection kit or CCK so yes. it's an iPhone or an iPad with the CCK and that's how you get guaranteed high res lossless out of Apple Music without yeah. any worries and without having to kind of tie yourself up in knots about sample rates and resampling and you know what's happening with my stream before it gets to my DAC. Yep. So that is I wanted to I wanted to make sure we covered that because I think it's important to offer a solution to a problem if you're going to kind of grizzle and grumble about a problem for a long while. You should really, yeah. you know, provide some kind of I agree. You know, way out if you like. But that's the only way. That's the only way you can do it is iPhones and iPads. Yes. And I think that's that's pretty weak because an iPhone in your hi-fi rack is a bit weird. An iPad, okay, that you know, that could work, but you've got to recharge it every so often. Mm. You can use that other camera connection kit, the one that allows you to connect a power supply, right? Yeah, but that's the one I recommend. Yeah. That's the one the you dual. recommend, right? Right. Yeah. Cause it's got USB and lightning. So yeah, you can be you can charge and play music at the same time. Yeah. So right. if you're gonna okay. be using it in a home audio, right? You'd want to do that, I would think. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I again, I just I'm I, I I've been through. I mean, this Apple Music thing has taken up my entire week. Yeah, probably yours as well. Just like investigating, yeah. playing around with different bits of gear, like working oh. out what's going on with all sorts of things. Mm. And it, had it been just Spotify going, we're just turning on CD quality streaming now. I wouldn't have to mess around with anything. I'd be like, okay, cool, great. Don't have to worry about a thing. Don't have to think about sample rates and bit depth. It's just it's just it just is right yeah well the only time i ever think about uh sample rates and bit depth is when we talk about it or when i have to write about it <laughs> yeah i don't ever think about it when i'm listening to music no because we should just be able to push play on an album and we just get served the best version yeah yeah that's what automatically yeah. invisibly like we shouldn't have to even think about this stuff yeah and that, that uh, hope well i'll try to make this my last grumble <clears throat> But this is an ongoing grumble, and that is 
in the world of downloads and streaming, CD quality doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. So if, if, uh, if a recording comes out of the mastering process, it's all done, it's wrapped and ready to roll, and mm-hmm. it's whatever it is. It's 2416, it's 2448. I mean, that pretty much ends the music I listen to. Nothing is in 2496. I mean, almost literally nothing. Mm. Um, but just give me that. Just give me whatever that is. And I don't want to have to talk about it. I don't want to have to know about it because the step of taking a 20, let's say a 2448 recording and mm. turning it into a 1644, while that may, uh, I'm not even going to go there. Let's just say it's sonically transparent. Mm. Who needs it? You don't need to do that step. There's no reason for that step to happen anymore with downloads and with streaming. It happens and it's created this environment of us having to talk about high res for an hour. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, because it's different. No, it's not different. You know, we, I mean, do we want to argue that if, an, if a recording is actually done in 2496 and it's delivered in 1644, is that lossy? <laughs> I don't want well, to saying it's like. No, this is a good point, though, isn't it? Because you, what you're saying is, is that in the CD era, if let's say a recording came out of a studio, a digital studio at 24, let's say 96, 24, 96, right? Mm-hmm. Master, the mastering engineer delivers it at 24, 96. Mm-hmm. In the CD era, that would have to be down sampled to 1644.1 mm-hmm. to put on a CD. Yes. But if you're not having to put it on a CD anymore, to then you can it. just give us the 24, 96, right? Yeah, just give it, right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is, is that we should just be given the studio master and not have to worry about it, I suppose. Exactly. And that's the case with Bandcamp. They don't right. even they don't even tell you. Um, they don't differentiate because mm. I've I've purchased music on Bandcamp and I always download, of course I always download the lossless version. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's 2448, sometimes it's 1644. Right, but they don't differentiate. They don't charge any. If you download the MP3 or the 2448, it's the same price. It's mm. no differentiate differentiation being made. So yeah, that to me is how things should have always gone. Ideally, mm. right in an ideal world, that's how it works. Okay, do you want you know the lossy or the loss? Oh yeah, the losses on this is 2448. Great. What you know, and don't even show me because that. That then gets into that audiophile, you know, kind of um, OCD of looking for high res recordings to buy. Oh, I'm getting uh, whatever. Never mind. <laughs> but, this, but this is what Apple uh, Music have done, though, isn't it? I mean, they've basically got this huge archive of studio masters that run the gamut of sixteen forty four one up to twenty four one ninety two with a very long tail there. But they hmm. could, and they they actually they are delivering those studio masters to us if we want if we want them but what they're not taking care of is the streaming portion of the the chain in the home yes they don't they're not taking care of making sure that that 2496 file remains 2496 all the way from their server to our dac yes. the only way that they are are doing that is kind of on an iphone but not really because there's no headphone socket on it and it's not even on, on MacBook speakers. The, the DAC inside the Mac is 2448. And I know this because I was playing 
some Neil Young, which I know is 24192 on the Apple servers because mm-hmm. I played it this morning with a Dragonfly. But if you play it through MacBook speakers, it tells you it's 2448. So it's obviously being downsampled there as well. Yes. So Apple don't seem to care how that studio master gets to your DAC. And I can, again, I can sort of understand why, because audio files are just such a, <laughs> an unbelievably small niche of people. Yeah. Uh, so, but then again, then why offer it? If you're, it's almost like they've. They, I know that is the question, isn't it? Right. It's like, why, why, why bother? Yeah. Why give us high res and then not take care of the playback portion? I the think home. they did it just to annoy audiophiles. That's my best no, guess. I think, just to send I, them on a wild goose hunt to try and figure out how to actually get high res out of a Mac. Well, it's certainly yes. Yeah, <laughs> through Apple Music, eight in my week, but like, <laughs> but it does seem very strange to kind of. Why they could have just announced CD quality across the board. Maybe mm-hmm. they did it just because they've got a selling point that's over and above Spotify, right? And then what happens mm-hmm. after that? They mm-hmm. wash their hands of it. Yeah. So maybe it's a, it's it's purely a cynical selling point to kind of one up their their main and bigger rival. Yeah, because it's funny. I'm reminded of this this Eddie, um, my buddy Eddie at Apple. Your buddy Eddie, yeah. He was interviewed by Billboard. That's where I'm pulling some of this information from, and I. Mm. In that interview, he made a comment. I'm not reading it, so it's, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering it a bit. But he he essentially said, you know, it sounds good. L- lossless, it sounds good. It sounds better than lossy. Like, everyone gets that. Oh, lossy, I don't want that. I don't want something that's got stuff missing, you know. And so, mm. yeah, maybe that's the whole reason why they did it. So they could say lossless, and they could say high-res lossless, which they're the only ones who say that. <laughs> lossless high res lossless that phrase so yeah maybe it's just yeah selling point like oh somebody like maybe that'll leak into the mainstream at some point high res um and it might matter so we could say it's a it's it's a bullet point on a on a slide you know Mm. but i think apple are big enough to i mean by by putting 2448 next to 1644 one they are they're a big enough company to to actually by just that one move is to mandate that 2448 is the mastering studio standard moving forwards because if you're a mastering engineer now you look at apple music and go well they don't care about anything above 2448 really so Mm. you know do you know what i mean sorry i'm just yeah Oh, no, but that's an interesting point because for many years back, I don't know how far, certainly five years, uh, the uh, Mastered for iTunes program, and you could Google that. They're still, and you would access Apple's PDF. That's their guide to submitting music to Mm. Apple for inclusion. They asked for 2496. They've been asking for 2496 forever. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, forever. So they're sitting on what, you know, I would imagine is quite a large library of 2496 masters. Hmm. And it's just so funny, that disconnect as well. I mean, but whatever. These are different departments within Apple's. So they don't, perhaps they don't talk to each other so often. Um what I'm saying is, you know, so on that side, the, the people who have to take a master and turn it into an AAC, right, uh, mm. 
file for what used to be iTunes, blah, blah, blah. You know, those people are like, yeah, give us 2496. It makes our job a lot easier. The end product is going to sound a lot better. It's what it says in that uh, PDF white paper I was referring to, uh, or guide for mastered for iTunes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the language, right? Give us 2496 because your music is going to sound better. And and on the other hand, you, you know, you've got the new pitch saying, eh, it doesn't, you know, 2496, 20, whatever. Doesn't matter. Lossless was just all the same. I, well, maybe they did some market testing between their initial announcement and between launch, and the market testing research just showed that nobody really gave a shit about lossless or high res. Uh, but yeah. people were a little bit ooh wow about spatial, and they yes. took that to they took that information to sort of reshift their focus in the meantime, because it just it again it, it just seems weird that they would offer all this high-res content, but in such a half-assed way. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, that you literally can't play back <clears throat> BitPerfect on a Mac unless you manually change that setting that you spoke of earlier. Yeah. Each time the sample rate <laughs> yeah. changes. As if, as if no you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, oh. it's just, yeah, it is an after whatever. I mean, you can't even say it's an afterthought. But anyway. It's a, it's a punishment is what it is. High-raise <laughs> enthusiasts go down to hell. This is what it is, right? High-raise enthusiasts, so they're they sent to hell, and they're, 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 they're sort of sentenced to <laughs> a, a, a forever sent. what do you call it, an infinite sentence of just changing the sample rate on the audio MIDI setup app inside macOS to match whatever's coming down the pipe from Apple Music. And it's set to, it's set to like shuffle from the library, yeah. Yeah. right? And all you've got to do is like, that's 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 high-res purgatory right there. Yes. <laughs> you know, not to mention the fact that once, you know, once that file or whatever you want to stream enters your deck, who knows, depending on the deck, who knows what, what processing is going on in there? You know, this yes, whole idea of yes. like, oh, 2496, I got to have a 2496 file because it sounds so good. And then once it hits the deck, it's like it's upsampled to some, you know, megahertz mm-hmm. <laughs> process to shit out of it. You know, this idea of bit perfect playback for high res, this focus and fascination on it. Uh, again, it's like, I mean, I understand it to a certain extent, but but it, it's it's yeah, it's um, uh, it's worse than tail. It's the, the flea, the flea on the dog's tail, you know, wagging the entire dog or something. Right, and I get there's, there's a topic that came up in the wake of I've, I made a video about infusing about CDs, which is very typically me. Um, yeah, boring, I know, but a lot, you know, a lot of people commented like one of the one of the great reasons to keep on hold of CDs is because when an album gets remastered, the original master gets dropped from the streaming service to just to leave the remaster. And the remaster invariably has been dynamically compromised. Yes. And so the only version you can play is the dynamically compressed version. That's going to have that mastering quality is going to have more of an impact on what you hear than the container file that comes down the pipe. It, it's ridiculous, and I guess it's it's a bit sad that these these old masters are being lost, which aren't without their own flaws because they can sound a little bit thin if they were done in the eighties. But they, I still prefer that to the dynamically compressed, overly loud masters that 
really now seem to dominate, especially when it's old man music that I listen to, you know, like this. <laughs> That obviously came out in '94 and has been remastered for, you know, for its 10th anniversary, 20th anniversary, and you know, I don't know. It just that, that kind of drives me a little bit potty about streaming. But I, I yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's you know what, in terms of of um, things that are perhaps should get a bit more of the spotlight, um, and that is, it does fall under this category of quality of the uh, recording however mm-hmm. i just recently wrote about one of my favorite albums lowell davison trio <clears throat> because mm-hmm. it's just been reissued on vinyl uh, for the first time and mm-hmm. if you try it was originally it was released on esp disc in uh 65 uh, you know if you can find a vinyl copy it's going to be a couple hundred bucks mm-hmm. um so you know f- it's just been reissued on file, so I was a little excited. In the in the kind of the press information relating to that uh, release, the kind of you know ESP discs cautioned uh, that there was a uh, a CD release in the eighties in the U in the I don't think they specified where in the EU it came out of, but mm. it was a very poorly done uh, re- uh, mastering job. So it sounded mm-hmm. like crap, you know, but so uh, the reason I bring that up is because, you you know, somebody I could say, oh, I love this record. It sounds so good. Somebody could go find that CD and go, what the hell is he talking about? That mm. recording sounds like crap. But, you know, that le- that so this, I think, does, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're buying um, older music that's been remastered, re-released, blah, 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 you know, you may want to do some homework. Uh, before you know, making a purchase because you know uh, some are going to sound better than others. For vinyl, it's kind of easy. I always, you know, for me, I just buy the original copy if possible. Price mm. wise, um, that's not always possible. But you know, uh, yeah, price t- like Blue Note stuff, whatever. I don't buy a lot of that. Yeah, but typically, I end up buying the original and the reissue because the reissue or the remaster tends to have bonus tracks and things like that. So I buy that for the bonus tracks and keep the original for the sound quality that I want, which is, again, it's madness, but it's it's what I like. So, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Music, you know, like completeness. uh, I am finicky about that though. I I don't like bonus tracks messing with my album, especially if it's like an album I really enjoy. Because I just want the album. I don't want the bonus tracks. Because I always listen to the whole thing. It depends on the on the mood. I've just mm. I mentioned the wedding present before. I don't know whether the wedding present or not are like a British indie band that have been going since the mid eighties, right? And it's just mm. their their stuff is very poorly recorded generally. They did an album with Steve Albini uh. in ninety one. It's called Sea Monsters. It's just been reissued with a bunch of bonus tracks. It's a, I got the vinyl copy. I'm looking at it right now. Mm. But it's, you know, I can choose to play the original album, which is the first disc, and then the bonus track, the second disc. But on mm-hmm. streaming, sometimes I will just let, you know, I won't be in that sort of purist mood. Yes. And I will let the bonus tracks run. But sometimes, as you, you know, suggested, I will be, and I'll just be, I just want the original 10 tracks. And then once that's done, I'm out, because mm-hmm. it'll be too much of one one band or too much of one sound. Yeah, especially if it's like alternate takes and things. It's like okay. I mean, uh, there there's a time and place for that, but not while I, if I want the album, I just want the album. 
I don't want to have to listen. Mm. I'm not interested in always hearing alternate takes. Anyway, boy, am I getting old and grumpy. (laughs) Stop complaining. (laughs) I have to write that on my notepad. Stop complaining. No, but honestly, I think this week has been a week where it's been very hard not to. I guess it's born of frustration rather than just wanting to have a, you know, have a go or stick the knife in on somebody. Yeah, it really is. It, it's, it it's is. frustration is what it is. It is. Yeah. Apple has really twisted uh, my head into knots just trying to make sense of it this mm. week. Well, yeah. look, let's, let's wrap this up by mm. just, just reiterating that we're very happy that Apple has turned on CD quality streaming across the board for their entire library. Cause yes. I think that that is the main message even though we've grizzled about the high res situation quite a lot, but but it's worth, I think it deserves to be grizzled about. I mean, if you're Apple, then I think you tend to draw a lot more attention because of your size and, you know, your impact on the world. So I think that's probably why, Mm. certainly why I've written about Apple music more than probably any other streaming service in one week. I know you have as well because it's Apple. It's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yes. Their visibility. I mean, it goes without saying. Yeah. They're a force yeah. in the world. Yeah. They are a force. <laughs> anyway, Michael Lavornia, thank you so much for joining us again this time out. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm going to go have a cup of happy tea. <laughs>